We're going to spend the next four weeks uh, making a little space for God and his kingdom. And as we do that, I hope that you'll see that there will be less of some other things in your life, like stress, uh, things that maybe you will even uh, declutter a bit, things that aren't as important so you have more time and energy and space for those things that are. But before we get into the message today, I want to talk a little bit about uh, our childhood and the memories that we have because so much of, of our upbringing affects what we do later in life. So think about uh, your first recollection of money, your very first recollection of money or that things have value, or maybe you can think of a time where you didn't have the money to get something that you wanted. How many of you remember bringing money to church for the very first time or, or early in your life? Anybody remember that? How many of you had parents who gave you the money to put in the plate? Yep, me too. Now, I think later on, as we haven't, you know, passed the plate since COVID, and there's, there's a lot of value in doing that because it's a reminder uh, every time that the plate goes by that uh, we have, an, we have a, an opportunity to share some of what God gives to us and give back to him. So that might be your very first uh, recollection of money. Uh, for me, it was, it was one of my very first jobs. How many of you remember your very first job as a, as a child that you actually got paid for? Maybe it was an allowance, or maybe it was doing something else. Uh, did we have any, uh, you know, any paper carriers, paper throwers? Yep, right, great job. Uh, lawn mowers, anybody do lawn? Yes, a lot of that. So I'm going to tell about my lawn mowing experience. So we lived on a farm, of course, but many of the farms around us uh, had, had older uh, owners, didn't have a lot of children, so me and my three brothers mowed most of the lawns in, in probably a 10-mile radius. And we, we would drive around uh, first in the early days. We would have uh, an old farmall tractor. I think I have a picture of one up there, an old H. Some of you might remember that. And behind it, my dad had fashioned a, a little cart. And we put all of our mowers and our equipment, the gas and the oil. We usually had rakes and some other things. Throw it all in there. Now, later on, when we graduated and got a riding lawnmower, then we would put that uh, on the back of our pickup truck, and we would take that. But in those early days, it was the H in the cart in the mowers. So I remember one lawn in particular, it was a very large lawn. It would take us most of the afternoon to mow, the four of us, with a push mower. We had several push mowers. We'd all be, be working at it together. And, and when we were finished, we, we got paid six dollars. Now, do the math. If there are four of us, and if it were divided equally, how much should each team and brother receive? A buck fifty. I only got a dollar. Now, I used to think, or I, at first I thought, that it was because I was, I was one of the younger brothers in, in the corporation here, and I wasn't as valuable, I wasn't worth as much. But then I came to find out that all, all of the brothers got $1. What happened to the other two? Well, I discovered that I was not the owner. My dad is the owner. He owned 
the tractor, he owned the mowers, he owned the cart, he owned the equipment, and he paid for the gas and the oil. If we broke something, he's the one who paid for it. So he was the owner, and I was one of the servants. So my wage was a dollar. So my dad would take another dollar, and that would go into a kitty uh, to, to pay for repairs and gas and oil. And then we put a jar like this on the dining room table, and we all put in that dollar from every yard that we mowed, and that would then pay for our family vacation at the end of the summer. So I learned some great lessons as a child about money. Now, later on in another sermon, I'll tell you about some of the other things that I learned that weren't quite so positive. And isn't that the case with most of us? We learned some good things, and maybe we also developed some bad habits along the way. So in these next four weeks, we want to reinforce the good and the positive, but also look at the Bible and the wisdom of God so that we can continue to make some changes or adjustments along the way. So the first thing that I want you to do and to know today is this. The very first point, uh, turn to the person next to you and say, everything I have belongs to God. Can you do that? Turn to the person next to you and say, everything I have belongs to God. All right? Pretty simple concept, yet one that we often have a little bit of trouble getting our, our, our minds around. So to make sure that you got it, I'm going to give you a short quiz. All right? So think of your body, all right, your body, your physical body. To whom does this body belong? To God, right? Very good. Good audience, you're, you're good learners. It belongs to God. All right, let's try another. My checking account then belongs to God. My savings account belongs to my investments belong to, my house belongs to the bank, or God, right, right, hopefully, God, well, you know, you get, you get the idea here. Okay, let's try another one. Uh, how many of you have children in, well, how many of you have children? Just raise your hand. Okay, good, most of us. Uh, how many have children in worship right now? Raise your hand. Okay. Take your child and hold them up like this. Can you do that? All right, take your child just like Lion King. Put them up there. All right. To whom do your children belong? God, God. Everything we have, physically, spiritually, our opportunities, our resources, our time, our energy, our body, all of it, talents and skills, it all belongs to God. So we have this parable that we heard earlier. And as you understand the parable, you get a, a greater understanding of of how God works and how his kingdom works. Again, the kingdom of heaven, also called the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey. So who is the man who is going on the journey? Anybody? Same answer we had before, it is God. So the owner, the master, is going on a long journey. Jesus comes to the earth. He serves in our place. He dies on the cross. He pays the penalty for our sin. He rises from the grave. He ascends into heaven. The master is gone physically for a long time. And one day he will return. In the meantime, he trusts all of his servants, that would be us, with his resources. But if you look then in your notes, what are those resources? It's our talents and our skills. The analogy is, is that God is the owner and we are the 
My dad was the owner. I was the servant in Teeman, Inc. Everything belonged to him, which gave me huge relief. You see, if I broke something, I didn't have to pay for it. The owner would. If I ran out of gas, I could call the owner and he would bring another five-gallon can of gas. He trained me how to mow and to use the skills that I already had. And so there's great relief when we look at, or at least there could be great relief, and so often in our lives, instead of looking at this as, this is so wonderful, it all belongs to God, and he gives me every good gift that I have, and he's the one who is ultimately responsible, and he's going to bless me, we generally have the attitude of, well, he didn't give me enough. Or we think, as I look at my brother or my sister or my neighbor, it's not fair. They're the five bags of gold person, and I only got the one. But it's not about how much we have, it is what we do with it when the master returns. So when will the master return? At the end of time. When does the master effectively return for you? at the end of your time, when you die. And just like in the parable, we don't know when that is going to be, and so we want to be faithful along the way. It all begins with knowing that God is the best provider. He owns everything, and he'll give you the five bags, not because you deserve it, but he knows you can handle it, or the two, or the one, or anything in between. So we begin with that. Everything belongs to God. He is the best provider. But then he wants me and you, he wants all of his children, his servants, to be good managers. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts. And all that means is he wants to see what you did with all those resources. And the one that had five, what did he do? He doubled it. He returned five more. And the one with two, what did he do? He doubled it. He returned two more. And then there was the one, and we'll get to him in just a moment. But let's see the answer to the first two. He said what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things, of greater things. I will put even more trust in you. And this is what it's going to be like. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced when the Lord returns in all of his glory, or at the end of your life, it's going to be very much like this from the movie, Babe. Let's take a look. Oh, beautifully done. I can't tell you how grateful I am to you all. Now for one last favor. If the three ladies with collars would kindly walk out of the ring, I'd be very much obliged.
I think that's very much what heaven will be like at the end of your time or when the Lord returns in all of his glory. The saints and the angels will be cheering uh, and the master will say, that'll do, pig. Well, maybe not exactly. I think he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. The point is that the earth, in conventional wisdom, our culture, our, our society, constantly is pressuring us to do things that aren't according to the will of God. There in your notes you see that biblical financial wisdom really comes down to three things. Number one, use what you've been given. Number two, know your flocks and herds. In other words, know your assets, know your talents, know your skills. Recognize the opportunities that come to you. And then to know that every financial decision that you make or any decision that you make in regard to your skills and opportunities and resources is truly a spiritual decision. We often don't think that, you know, what I do with my money is a spiritual thing, but it is. Everything that we do with the resources that God gives to us. And there's nothing wrong with, with using what you have. God knows what you need. Martin Luther says that our Lord provides all that I need for this body and life. And it goes down to the mundane. Doesn't he say clothing and shoes? Yes. House and home, meat and drink, wife and children, fields, cattle. In all my good, God provides all of that. He knows exactly what you need. But he also knows whether he's given you five bags of gold or two bags of gold, and he knows all the opportunities that you can do with it. So finally, then, it's not what you have. We've all been given different gifts, but it's what you do with it. The one servant was not punished. And you remember at the end of the parable, he's cast out into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Somebody tell me what that seems like a picture of. Hell. He is not condemned to hell because he didn't use his gifts as well as the others. The master said, if you aren't going to use it, you could have at least invested it with the bankers and you would have gotten some interest. No, he is punished because he didn't trust the master. 
He was afraid, and there's all kinds of things that we might be afraid of in this life. Certainly there is risk in what we, what we do with the investments and the resources that God gives to us. But the worst offense is not doing anything and not using our resources and gifts and opportunities so that God might be glorified and the gospel might be shared with those around us. So finally then, as we look at our, at our message for today, everything belongs to God, which should be a relief to all of us. It is humbling and empowering at the same time. God wants you to be a good manager, and he's given you everything that you need to do that. He's given us the Bible to give, it a, to give us wisdom and what to do with these gifts. And then finally, he says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless you in this life, and I'm going to bless you in the kingdom that is going to come. So what is the blessing? It's what people so often ask. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the first blessing. We have the commendation of our Lord himself. You have been faithful with a few things. Whatever it might be, talents, skills, opportunities, resources, yes, even money, I'm going to give you more. And not just things and opportunities, but I'm going to trust in you more. Which means that if God trusts you with material things and physical things, and you do well with it, he's going to trust you with the higher things, the spiritual things, the eternal things, the things that will last. And this is then what happens. Once we are given even greater gifts of trust, we become more grateful. And as we become more filled with, great, with, with, with gratitude, we are then also filled with more joy not only for the things that God gives us, but for the things that we are able to give away as well. Let me just use a real quick analogy from Christmas. When you are a kid, generally, think back to your childhood, did you look forward to Christmas more for what you would give or what you would receive? Now be honest. For most of us as children, it was what we would receive, right? We just love to see what was under the tree. We love to, to rip into those presents, to tear off the wrapping, and to see what might be inside, the incredible treasure that was there. But you notice what changes as you get older, when you become a parent or a grandparent? It all flips around, doesn't it? And you look forward to Christmas not so much what your children will give you, but what you can give them. That's our Heavenly Father. You are like that kid on Christmas where God wants to give you the most incredible gifts. Forgiveness, new life, salvation, the opportunity to glorify God and sometimes even the physical and material things that we enjoy so much. But ultimately, Christmas for us as families isn't so much about the gifts under the tree, but it's a celebration that we have. To be together as a family, and of course as believers, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. 
That's what the kingdom is all about. And that's the message of our parable this morning, that God is the creator of the universe. Everything belongs to him. Not only everything you have, but the entire world. And he simply wants you to use it. Take what you need for all those things that sustain your body and life, but also to be generous in giving away your your talents and skills and abilities and even your possessions to use whatever you have so that others might be included in the family as well. And so at the end of time, there is no worries for any single one of us because we trust in the Master. We recognize the good gifts that he has given, and we look forward to all that applause where he says to you, and he most absolutely will, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, the things that you used and enjoyed and celebrated and shared while you were here on this earth. Now you're going to be put in charge of even greater things for the rest of eternity. What a blessed day that will be. So, don't forget who your master is. Don't forget that he always loves you. And don't forget who you are, a servant and a child of God. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise and make profession of our faith.